Welcome to the Stonelaw Church Podcast. I'm Neil Watson. And whether you are a regular worshipper with us, or whether you just listen to this podcast, I pray that the, the words of the message would be a real blessing to you, and that it would bring you closer to God as you experience more of the love of Jesus in your life. On the back of last week's Pentecost service and celebration, we come to something of a a summer series um, that I've put together. So over the summer, we'll, we'll kind of dip in and out of this. There'll be times where we come away from it. But um, what I wanted to focus in on was Paul's letter to the Galatians at chapter 5, right at the very end of the chapter, at verse 22. Paul writes, By contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, Peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited competing against one another and envying one another. Live by the Spirit. So you'll see that I've called this series Gifts. And these are gifts from God. Um, it's important to highlight that they are not the, the spiritual gifts that, that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians 12, things like prophecy and, and wisdom. Those are, are very specific things, and we'll probably look at those uh, either later in the year or certainly next year. But what Paul is referring to here in his letter to the Galatian church is the fruit that grows within each and every one of us through the Holy Spirit. And while the spiritual gifts that Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians, we might have an, a supernatural gravitation and gift in one particular area, it might be prophecy, it might be in wisdom, but the fruit of the Spirit, when the Spirit is dwelling within us, every single one of us has access to those. It's just waiting there to, to be nurtured and grown and blossom. So if we're going to be living our life in the Spirit, as we saw last week as we celebrated Pentecost, that was part of God's plan, that the Holy Spirit would come down and empower us and dwell within us, that God is with us always, then we need to be making sure that we are making every effort to allow those fruits, the fruit of the Spirit, to grow within us and nurture them well, that it would become so evident in our lives and to those that are around us that something's different about us that they just see something different in us. And it should be the Spirit working in us and through us. This week we're going to look at the, the first fruit that Paul speaks of, and that is love. It's the first one in the list, and I believe that it's the first one in the list because every single one of them is underpinned by love. You know, if, 
If we don't get that right, then all the other ones just fall by the wayside. They become far more difficult to control. But if we get, our, get a good handle on God's love for us and our love for God and our love for others, then it becomes easier to move forward. And another thing, over the summer, I'm going to do certain different things. Take us out of our comfort zone. You don't have to look too petrified. <laughs> I'm looking out and it's like the rabbit in the headlights. But we're going to do different things because I think that God wants us to be out of our comfort zones. And there'll be many things that come that will drag us out of our comfort zones. But we're getting to step into coming out of our comfort zones. And I thought we'd do something a wee bit different, something that I haven't done for a long time. I want us to think about our, our friends and family. We have this deep friendship with someone, a deep love for someone, where we're able to share with them how we're feeling, the, the things that are going on in our life, we know that we're not going to be judged or, or condemned or mocked by these people that really care for us. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to support one another. We are children of God, all of us, brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. And we're called to, to love one another. And we're called to support one another. So here's the thing that we're going to do that's slightly different. I want you to think about that thing, that thing that makes you know as an individual that you are loved and that you are appreciated and that you're cared for. I want you to just think about that. And then once you've been thinking about it, if you're comfortable, why not share it with the person that's next to you? It's okay if you're not comfortable doing that. I won't, take you, I won't make you do anything that's too uncomfortable. But just take a minute to think about it and maybe share with one another what that thing is that makes you know that you are loved and cared for and appreciated. So just spend a couple of minutes doing that. This is good, because I was expecting it to be absolutely silent, but um, I'm glad that you have felt comfortable enough to share with those that are uh, around you. And I really, really, really hope that you are able to think of something that makes you feel loved and appreciated by another person might be when you receive a hug from someone. might be that you weren't feeling well and someone was able to, to help with a, a care package or just do something practical to show you that they cared for you. 
just willing to serve you in that period where you weren't feeling well. It might be that someone spends time listening to you when you need it, when you are really struggling and they've set aside some time just to, to spend with you and to listen to you and to help you. Those might make you feel valued and, and loved. It might be in gifts. It might be, I know, I, I know someone not too far from, from my house that, that gifts are a, a thing of um, knowing that she is loved when she receives gifts. I'll say no names. But we all have that something that, that just makes us feel loved. You know, I shared earlier about that note that meant a great deal to me, where I, it's nice to be appreciated. And when people are thinking of you. So, having thought of that, and as we move into our passage from First John, as we look at God's love and what that looks like and how our response should look. We think about godly love and it's clear to us that, that godly love is not the same as a, a romantic love. When we think of a romantic love, we might think of, of love hearts and, and flowers, cards, anniversaries, maybe Valentine's Day. But it's not about cards and chocolates and flowers. And the thing is, over the course of Christianity, many preachers have stood up and said, we have a, 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 an all-powerful God who is a God of love. We have a loving, heavenly Father. But I remember speaking to someone a few years ago, and we got into quite a, quite a, a debate over God. And they'd said to me that they absolutely loved the New Testament God. But they despised the Old Testament God. And therefore, they couldn't possibly follow Jesus or follow God. Because they couldn't take the Old Testament God. But the thing is, if we allow our mindset to go there of there being a, an Old Testament God who is, is terrible and a New Testament God who is all loving and gentle, well, then something must have happened. A cataclysmic thing must have happened. God must have done a 180 in his character. But if we have this Old Testament God who's terrible, it would require a complete character change. But if we read in Hebrews chapter 13, we read that God is the same today as he was yesterday and will be tomorrow. God's character never changes. There is no New Testament God or an Old Testament God. There's just God. And God is all loving, always. And we might look at the Old Testament and we might think, really? But who are we to question God? You know, I've used First John this morning because John has this unique perspective on God's love. 
he is actually described as the disciple that Jesus loved. He was on the, the inner circle of the disciples. You know, we read that John is, is always one of the three that go off with Jesus to these events that are important to him. He was really close to Jesus. He was there at the, the transfiguration when Jesus took three up onto the mountain. And he's there with Peter and James. He's there with Peter and James when they're in Gethsemane, when Jesus is at his most vulnerable and broken. He wanted his closest friends with him. Being that close to Jesus, John was able to see God's love being modeled up close. He's able to see God's love so we use 1 John this morning because he does have that unique perspective on God's love. He spent so much time with Jesus. And we read in verses 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God for God is love. So how do we marry up the, this idea of the, an Old Testament God and a New Testament God? How do we reconcile that if God's character never changes? Because there are, very, there are many <laughs> violent acts in the Old Testament that might cause us to, to take a step back and think, what's going on here? But the thing is, it's not for us to question God's actions. We look to God's character, which is a character that is filled with love from the very beginning. And the thing is, God is in the business of keeping promises. That's how he shows his love for the people. He shows it through the keeping of promises or covenants, as we, we read in the scriptures. If we go all the way back to Genesis 12, when God comes up like with Abraham, or Abraham as he was then, an old man who never thought he would ever be a father. God says, if you, if you follow me, if you, you do what I say, I'll guide you, and you will become the father of a nation. Many descendants and God delivered on that promise to Abraham. He became this father of a nation. And then a little bit later on in Genesis 26, God speaks to Isaac. And he says to him, look, your descendants will be far more than the, the stars in the sky. God delivers on that promise to Isaac too. Or what about the Israelites? finding themselves stuck in slavery in Egypt. God had made the promise to, to rescue them and to take them into the promised land. Takes them through the wilderness. He's with them. Provides for them. They complain, they moan, they wish to go back to Egypt, but God sticks with them and he guides them into the promised land. Joshua takes them in 
And sometimes God's love for his people is shown in correction. He's trying to correct them when they're moaning and complaining, wanting to go back to Egypt into slavery rather than walk with God. He corrects them. There is a difference between punishment and loving correction. Believe me, there is. And some of the methods that God uses in the Old Testament are extreme. They might not necessarily chime with our modern society, but who are we to question God? God was doing what he thought was right for the people, even if the people didn't understand it. God shows his love for us by delivering on his promises. He says he's going to do something, and he does it. God promised that there would be a way for the relationship with humankind and him to be repaired. The biggest promise that God made to humankind was Jesus. He promised a Messiah and he delivered on it. In verses 9 and 10, we read, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son in the world and that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God is a God of love. And we can read in that much ignored book of Deuteronomy. I say ignored. Are there many people here who sit and trail their way through Deuteronomy of an evening? Not seeing many hands. It's a much ignored book. But in chapter 7, we're able to read, it was not because you were more numerous than any other people that the Lord set his heart on you and chose you. You were the fewest of all peoples. It was because the Lord loved you and kept the oath that he swore to your ancestors that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand. God so loved the world that he gave us his one and only son. Not because we were special. Not because of anything special that we had done. We certainly weren't special in the world's eyes. And we continue to not be special in the world's eyes. But we were special in God's eyes. He chose us. And he made that promise. So John, having this unique perspective on God's love from being close to Jesus, equally has this perspective of understanding the Jewish text. He would have known these words from Deuteronomy. Understanding God's love and relationship with his people. That God's love is sacrificial and it has to be active. It's not just saying that we love something. We have to show that we love something. God's love for us and our love for others isn't a New Testament idea. It's a God idea. And it's been there from the beginning. There is no New Testament God or Old Testament God. 
just God. And this call to love our neighbors that comes from the, the lips of Jesus is him quoting Leviticus chapter 19, another book that I imagine people sit and read at night. Jesus puts it alongside the Shema, this wonderful prayer that, as I was saying earlier, states that we are to love God with all our heart, our soul, and mind. That the two go so closely together that through our love for God and God's love for us, we're called to go and share that love with others. All because God loved us first. We love our neighbor. I remember another conversation that I had with, with a young child. I was doing a, I was in the primary school and uh, we were sitting chatting away and he was fascinated with the, the dog collar. And, uh, and he said, Neil, how come we can't see God? And I was taken aback. This kid was only seven years old. Such a profound question to ask. Especially for someone so young. If we come to verse 12 of our reading this morning. John says, no one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God lives in us and his love is perfected in us. Perfected in us just means that it will be completed. That, that God's love as it takes root and we allow it to nurture, be nurtured and developed and grow. That love that dwells within us pushes us to want to go and share that back out into the world. That that's the way that people see God. Through our actions. Not because we're God. But that we're reflecting back God's love out into our world. And it requires us to develop and nurture this fruit of the Spirit. As we welcome the Spirit into our life. We allow it to work. That when we love God. And when we look to Jesus and we read of the, the wonderful promises that God makes, not only makes, but delivers on, that should prompt us to want to extend that love to others out in our world. That this fruit of love would grow and, and blossom and be shared with those that are around us. Because when that happens, God is visible to the world. Not because we're special, but because we're allowing God and we've humbled ourselves to allow God to use us to share that love out into the world. Verses 15 and 16, where it says, God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believe the love that God has for us. It reminds us that when we confess Jesus, that God, God's love is in us. God's love dwells within us. And how that love is made complete is by allowing it to be worked out and serving the world. And I want you to go back and I want you to think 
about that thing that I asked you at the very beginning of the sermon. I want you to think about that. That thing that made you feel loved by another person. Each one of us needs to to understand that we are loved. We need to hold on to that thing that makes us feel loved and share that with others. And I hope you were able to share with someone else that thing. Because the thing is, every single one of us goes through life in the pursuit of love because love dwells within us. And God has chosen us. We're created by a loving God. We're created for community. Not one of us is an island. We need people. And just as the, the Trinity Father, Son, and Holy Spirit models to us that we were made to be close with one another. So if you take anything away from this morning, please let it be this. We were created to worship God, to love God, and to love others. And I want us to think about where we can put our love this week. What are the the areas, who are the people that we can extend that love to in our life? Who is it that comes to our minds when we think about who needs our love at this time? And I want us to make a promise to God because in the same way that that God shows his love for us by making promises and fulfilling them, we too need to make a promise to God that we will show someone love this week. Keep that promise through Jesus. That we allow the Holy Spirit to give us the, the courage and the strength to be able to do that because it can be hard at times when we feel like our, our bucket's empty. Difficult to extend love to others when we feel that we're running on empty. But we need the Holy Spirit to to highlight to us the the people and the the things that we're being called to. That we'll be able to go out and spread that love with everyone that we meet. It doesn't matter how big or, or small that act of love is. It's about actually making the commitment to do it. Develop and nurture that spiritual fruit of love that dwells within you. And believe me, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. It's like anything. The more you practice it, the easier it becomes. So let's make a commitment this week to promise that we will spread God's love out into our world, whether that's at work, whether it's in our homes, whether it's here in church, whether it's to schools, whether it's in the cafes that we go to various other places that we might go to throughout the week. Let's spread love everywhere that we go because it's so needed in our world. We have a God who is a God of love and we're called to, to love him, to love our neighbors. So let's start the journey this week as we start exploring the, the fruit of the Spirit by developing that gift of love that God has planted in us through his Holy Spirit.
And let's become that people that Paul writes in his letter to the Galatians. Let's be a people who live by the Spirit. Shall we pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a, a God of love. And would you help us to see that you are a God who never changes? Help us to see the, the Old Testament through the lens of love rather than destruction. Allow us to see your comforting hand. And as we make this commitment to you this morning to spread love, and that commitment to help nurture and develop those fruits that you've planted in us, would you allow your Holy Spirit to work in us so we could go out and have the strength and courage to love others as we love you, all because you loved us first. And Lord Jesus, we give you all thanks and praise for your sacrifice, for the love that you showed us. Help us to have that unique perspective on life and allow us to live it out as we become the people you wish us to be, a people who live by the Spirit. All this we ask in your precious and mighty name. Amen.